Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, with me, your host, Jackson Stone. Today is December 30th, 2021, but when you hear this, it will be probably the second week of January in 2022, so I hope your new year is starting off great. I hope you had a fun way to celebrate the beginning of the year, just like Sam and I will uh, tonight and tomorrow, but we'll get into that, some of the history behind that. But we have one of our most popular guests returning back to the show. Um, You've seen him on quite a few episodes, two by himself and a couple other with some of our other friends. But welcome back to the show, Sam Pack. It's great to be back. And I feel like every episode, I feel like every episode I'm on, you'll see Aaron go like this and me like (laughs) try to get away from it. Yeah. But we're back. We're back. This is our third solo episode together. Not that doesn't make sense. This is our third episode together. Um, and also, it's the third location that we're filming in. First one was in Oklahoma. Second one was in California. And now we're at Everybody's Land in Plano, Texas. So cheers. Sam, you know the question I'm going to ask you. Pass it to you twice before, just on a podcast and about a zillion times outside of the podcast. <laughs> um... This is the second episode of the new year, so I release an episode every Tuesday, except for December, so we're back. This is the second episode of the year, episode number 78, and the question is still important. It remains the same, very, 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 very important question to create connection and community and love and support between one another, especially between males. You and I have a really strong bond. It's because we talk, we open up, we chat, we explore. So, Sam... How are you doing? Like, for real? Did not expect <laughs> Really brought... Shocker! That one. Shocker! Didn't have a 38-minute plane trip to try and think about what I was going to say here. Really? Of course I did. I knew what I was going to say. Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited about the stuff I have going on. The, the last couple months have been stressful in a good way. Mm. Productive stress and... You know, learned a lot of things, kind of finding my my way in the, the stuff that I'm doing and kind of getting the idea that things are things are going to go the direction that I've been anticipating and hoping for. So things are good. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And you, before you came to Dallas, you spent a couple of days in Oklahoma City with your, with your fam? Yep. Everyone in the fam's all right? Everybody's good. Okay. Everybody's living. Good. We're... Is it, uh, is it, I think it's pretty funny that, uh, I make some notes before I, before I talk to a guest. They're more extensive if I don't know the person that I'm interviewing very well. I'm sure. Right. Um, but uh, in the previous episode, the first episode of this year, episode 77 was with Weather Yuda. You know, Paul? Yeah. I know Paul. Uh, great memories with Paul. Yeah. Amazing. And I, I just kind of wanted to go in there and just have a just a general chat about him. A lot of stuff in life has changed, right? He's on wrestling on TV now. Like, yeah. He's doing amazing stuff. But I still wrote the same stuff out. Same thing here. And the only thing I had was, how are you? I even, I made sure to write it down just so I know that I will ask it, even though I know that I'm going to ask it because that's the only thing I really think about before the episode, but it's that important that I just want to write it down. Is that So I did the same thing with you? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was like, I thought that was... Pretty standard. Yeah. Well, this point. I mean, and I wrote a few other things down that we probably won't get to, but the big one I want to get to, is, you know, is, is Sam Pack's Rules for Life, but we'll get there in a second. A uh, little backstory. So, since we both graduated college in 2014. Correct. We have been doing New Year's together. Usually, Al Robbins is with us. Um, the past few years, Cody Shero joined late to the party, but was a really... Amazing addition to the course. Uh, last year we couldn't do it, you know, because of where the state of the world was in. This year, Al's planning for his wedding. Cody um, has also done some things in his relationship and has bought a house and like planning some things for the future, so he wasn't able to come. But Sam Pack has made it. We're not even going to think about last year. It's just a, we're not even going to count it, but we're like six years straight, seven years straight now. Yeah. Uh, the New Year's shenanigans. It's something I look forward to um, every year. Say. And uh, I'm glad you're here. Me too. 
there for a while. New Year's was like my only respite from like life and work. So always a good time. And you finally made it to my house. Yeah, I finally get to see uh, everybody's land. Thank you for using my, <laughs> my brand name. <laughs> I might call you by the wrong name this whole podcast. Oh, sure. But I'll, I'll cave on a couple things. Well, it depends on what you consider the wrong name. I don't even know anymore. I'll call you what I call you, and that's the right name. Exactly. Everybody else could just translate it to however they... Yeah. Aaron Jackson, it's all the same. However it's all the same. Identify you. Yeah, it's whatever you, you know, recognize me as. But, okay, so let's get into this. Let's get into this meat and bones here. I'm a big fan of Dr. Jordan Peterson. I listen to his podcast. I've read his books. Um, Just want to say that just because I'm a fan of someone, their work, a doctor, an authority, uh, a public figure does not mean I agree with everything that they say all the time. It just means that I feel like he has some important um, and thought-provoking ideas that resonate with me and I like to dig a bit deeper into my uh, own knowledge of the subject he's talking about and he always talks about being sophisticated with your language um, and having well thought out opinions and motives and adding more responsibility to your life and that resonates with me and I want to be sophisticated with my language when I talk about the things that mean something to me and learn more about the things that I don't know a lot about um, so he talks a lot about that in his podcast and when he does lectures and in his books and he wrote two books both are 12 rules One's the first 12 rules uh, about chaos. The second one is beyond order. Um, 12 more rules about order. And it's all about how you should live your life, what you should aim at, adding more responsibility and meaning to your life. And Sam, on that note, has jotted down some of his important rules. I don't want to call them rules, but things that he wants to uh, live by maybe or things that mean something to him that he jotted down. He has 18 of them. So, Sam, where did this come from? How did you come up with these? What's the deal here? Uh, To be honest, initially, it just became something. It started out as something that's just like a mental checklist of things that I wanted to kind of write down to reference every now and again, depending on the situation. And that are either things that I internalized and learned or things that I knew if I checked in with it every now and again would keep me at least level-headed and not going down too big of a rabbit hole trying to find answers or like losing myself in some sort of pattern that would be ending in a negative manner. Mm. Yeah, not so much rules, just kind of like waypoints, things that I think about. And they are all written... As me talking to me. Right. So some of the the things I had like heard somewhere and then I just languaged it in a way that it would hit me in a way that I needed it to. Exactly. So they're a lot based on like specific experiences or... I would say most of them, yeah. Some of them are like things I heard that I was like, yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Or specific experiences that I drew something out of that I then verbiaged into a short little one-sentence blurb. Into specific language that means something to you. Yeah. And if someone else read it, they they might think... They might read it a very different way. Exactly. They but might it, think, wow, this guy is yeah. like not a fan. And I... <laughs> yeah, I read all 18 of these, and I understand what most of them mean and what most of them are trying to say. I would not phrase them in the same way that you phrase them. No, I wouldn't imagine. But they're not... I don't look at those every day as a guidepost to figure some things out that I might be dealing with. So they resonate with you in that way, and that's what it's supposed to be. So we're going to go through a few of these. Sam's going to say what they are, and then I'll maybe change the wording of it to what I think it means, and then Sam also can explain what it is. And maybe some of these rules... We're going to go through seven, I think, six or seven of the 18. Maybe some of these... um, mental checkpoints uh, resonate with you or or hit you in your life right now and you can dig a little bit deeper on what it means to you and a phrasing that you would use uh, as a reference point for these things. But that's what we're going to do. Episode 78. Let's rock and roll. Alright, so number three. It is far better for people to think you're stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. 
that is something my parents have said to me forever. And what I kind of garnered from it was like, it's not bad to not know something. Not at all. But pretending to know is going to make you, you're going to show your ass. Mm. They are going to know immediately that you're faking it. Mm. So it's okay to be quiet, sit back, learn and process. And then have an interjection where you have a question or an additional comment. Because sometimes it is good if you're dealing with like a situation or you're, you're, you're trying to do something at work. Sometimes it's good to bring the person who doesn't know anything about it in. Mm. Because they have ignorance of it. They're not set in like indoctrinated into the same thing in the same way. So they have an outsider's perspective. Right. But you should know your place going in. Like if you don't know, don't pretend to know. Because if you're in a room full of experts, they are immediately going to identify you as like, you don't know what you're talking about. Everything you say from then on out is completely negated. Even if it could have been something of substance. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I, my first, what I talked about at the start, being sophisticated with your language. Like, if you are well thought out, you can read and write, then you have a chance at verbalizing what you think to be true better than if you don't. Yeah. But if you literally have no idea on the subject, then it's fine to be like, I say I don't know all the time. Yeah. Dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you please explain that? Sure. Or I'll go on YouTube. And that's totally cool. But people seem to have a hard time with that for some reason. Like not knowing something makes them less than when really asking a question to learn more about it makes you seem more into the conversation. And I think people will respect that more because you're, you're like actively listening and caring about what they say. And you're like, well, I don't really understand what you're saying, but I see that you're passionate about it. Can you explain more to me? Yeah. And the, We've all done this at one point. We've talked about something we don't really have a good understanding of. For sure. And the whole time you're talking, you're just like, you're not saying what you actually think. You're trying to say what you think they'll nod to. Mm. And so you're like talking and like gauging reactions and be like, am I going to get follow-up questions or do I need to keep talking to try and steer this thing back to where I'll just get a nod? And you're in dangerous territory because if you don't, if they don't ask any questions, you're like, okay, I got it. But in their head, they might be like, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's saying. Mm. I like it. Yeah. That's rule three. That's rule three. Rule three. It's pretty good. All right. This one I'm going to say, and then you articulate what you think. This one's pretty easy. Okay. Number five, everyone you meet is making this shit up as they go. Oh my God. I say this all the time, dude. Like... Literally every single person, every single person is just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to figure it out. They might have a few things really sorted out, maybe, but there's still a lot of shit that they don't have figured out. And even the, the stuff that they may be deemed an expert or authority on, there's still more stuff on that that they don't know they're still trying to figure out. Right? I mean, yeah. it's like... But but the problem with this is, where this comes from, I think, is... I mean, it was obviously uh, something that people thought about uh, way before, like, social media came about. Yeah. But we look at our social media feeds, right? And they're, like, these perfect feeds. Everything yeah. is perfect. Uh, you, like, you have all these coaches and people on there, like telling people what to do and giving advice and everyone thinks that those people have just got it all sorted. They got it all sorted. They don't have it sorted. Coaches need coaches. Trainers need trainers. Right? And so no one really has it figured out and I think that's an important lesson because basically everyone, at least this is what I believe to be true, maybe it's not obvious to you, is that everyone is a living masterpiece but also a work in progress at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's a plan simple. Like, I'm a person with a body and I can move around the world and make choices and of course there's consequences to those choices but I make them anyways um, because that's where I want to aim towards but also, I don't know shit about fuck. At the same time, yeah. there's maybe a few subjects that I have a little bit of knowledge around that I can talk about uh, or coach about or teach about or present about but I'm 
still just an amateur at, any, at everything. At everything. Why do you think LeBron James still takes 100 jump shots every day? Still trying to figure it out. Still trying. Why do you think the person with like two PhDs who's a doctor who did like 1,700 brain surgeries is still trying to learn new techniques? Because he's still trying to figure it out. Not to say he's not an expert and he can crush this brain surgery and take it out and put it back in. All that stuff. But he's still learning, maybe from someone else. Right? And so, I think that's such an important uh, like guide for life. Agreed. That's why I wrote it down. I think it's so important. Because real competition is with who we were the day before. Yep. Not with what somebody else is. And we tend to like get jealous of people who seem to be doing better in life but we also forget that we don't know the burdens that they carry either Mm -hmm. and there's a dark side to literally every path in life like there's a dark side to positive emotion there's obviously a dark side to negative emotion there's a dark side to becoming a lead athlete there's a dark side to becoming the best in the world at anything are you willing to you know uh what price are you willing to pay for that if you're like looking at someone's life you know and so Everyone's trying to figure it out day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Life is too unpredictable to have things figured out. Yeah. But we just try our best. This one, for me at least, was written as, at a time, I was kind of setting unrealistic expectations for myself. Mm. And I'm like, why, why is this, why don't I have this figured out? Why is this going on? Why can't I get this done? Why is this all catching up to me? All this. And so, like, because exactly, exactly that, but, like, other outside perspectives of other people's lives makes it look like everything's good. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, okay, if I'm going through this, and I know a bunch of people going through different things, and they're trying to figure life out, I'm like, fucking nobody's got it figured out. Mm-hmm. We're all making this shit up. As we go. Yeah. Like, and I hear people talk about it all the time, like, when they when they talk about older generations like man at my age my parent my mom had two kids and I can't imagine having kids right now I'm like they weren't prepared either they just figured it out they did it and they tried their best yeah and they really tried their best yeah. and that's what everyone's doing if you just make you know what's made my life like ten times better send it just assuming assuming off the bat with no preconceptualized judgment of them that Everyone is doing the best they can, whatever that looks like. That has made my life better 10 times, 100 times. Just assuming that off the rip. It's a very positive mental outlook. Because, I mean, well, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Right? But on brand. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers. Uh, but yeah, I heard Brene Brown talk about it on her podcast, and I, it, it meant a lot to me. But so I think we're, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good one. It's super important. Super important. Man. Yeah. All right. Next one. We're on a roll. Okay. That was number five. We're going to circle back to number seven. Okay. Because I know that's one you want to dive into. Okay. Number nine. Don't you set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. This one is probably challenging for you to understand how I wrote it and read it yeah I want to know um, what it is to you because to me it means a lot of things I would I am interested to hear what you knowing me what you think that means to me I don't know (laughs) you said it means a lot of things to me okay when I hear you read it what does it mean to you well because this is this is one of those that I knew when you started reading that you would read differently than I do. It means to me, it mostly means a lot to me with basically what I've been on or doing the last couple of years. Yeah. <clears throat> I get a, a lot of messages. This is a weird thing to say. So I don't like saying that I get a lot of messages. It sounds odd. But whether it's like Twitter, Instagram, whatever, it doesn't matter, text. Of, of people like really struggling yeah right a lot of the messages are really like intense really intense and I've sort of I haven't figured it out one bit not even close to how to manage it what to do about it I, I try to respond to every person 
but I'm like one person that gets very heavy and exhausting. And so that's what that means to me. It's like, I, I, I can't be everything to everyone all the time, every day. Yeah. And that's hard for me because I have a d- d- deep fear of someone messaging me on some sort of platform and I don't read it because it's like 3.30 in the morning and I'm sleeping and I wake up at 8 and that was the last message they ever sent to anyone ever. And I'm a, most of these people I've never met in person. So that's also very scary. Yeah. Because they have no one else to turn to except a guy on social media who's talking about these things openly and honestly and they're like, I want to reach out to him. Which for one is awesome. Thank you. Um, but also too, it's really sad it's really sad that they feel like they don't have anyone to turn to in their actual life that could be there for them in the instant that they need them and so that's my biggest fear so then am I like what I don't know what to do and so it's like how much do I am I giving of myself while also trying to give to me because I'm also still trying to figure out my own life I'm still grieving you know my parents and I are still I'm fucked, right? It's a hard situation. Yeah. You know, still, like, it feels brand new that I've lost my sister. You know, it's been three years. So I, like, that's what that statement means to me. And I have no idea if I'll ever sort out a a balance or not. Or if I'll ever find a a way to deal with it. Maybe if I hire, like, a team or have some, you know, employees for You Are Loved or whatever the case may be. But then they're carrying that burden. And I know that burden. And I don't want them to have that either. Because they're going home and feeling the same way that I was feeling. Because obviously mental health and this kind of work means something to them. is why they, they want to work for me and my company. And so all of this is like a continual thought process that I have of like, basically what do I do? Which leads us back into the previous point of just trying to figure it out. And yeah. I have not even close come to figure it out. Yeah. So this is an interesting one because... That's what it means to me. You, you and I both have a similar outlook on things in this in this regard we we both try to carry everybody's weight mm. if I you I know you you know me if I can help I'm fucking helping right there is an extreme to that where you start to you start to drown yourself carrying everybody else's load mm-hmm. and I got to that point at one time I was trying to be everything for fucking everybody mm. And carrying all of everybody's stuff starts to wear at you. And if I'm not me, then I can't help anybody else. Right. You obviously are having different life experiences going on now where people are are asking you very personal, like divulging very personal stuff and trying to get your opinion on it. I am not in that situation as much, but as a, as a person who has been like responsible to lead people in the past and currently, I I will take up whatever weight I can off of you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, people can take advantage of that too. Right. You're in a situation where the risk of not ignoring but playing down somebody, what somebody is asking of you is very high. Mm-hmm. My situation, not so much, but, you know, trying to, I'm going to help to the, like I said, help to the best of my ability, but at a certain point, if I'm feeling like you're kind of taking advantage of it, mm-hmm. and that's what, like, the, the setting myself on fire keeps you warm. Yeah. It's like, just to keep somebody warm like it's not for survival it's just they're trying to light you on fire just so they can be comfortable Mm -hmm. whereas sometimes you need that that kind of little bit of struggle to get through something right they're trying to make their life marginally better with just something small rather than Hey, this is a, a major thing. It's very important, and I need 
I need help with it, I got you. Mm-hmm. I will fucking help you carry that thing to the end of the world. But if it's like, hey, I just need you to uh, pick up my bag and carry it to the door, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, I am making this huge sacrifice for your marginal benefit. Mm-hmm. Does that make more sense? I understand what you mean. I talked onto it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the, I, that's so interesting, right? Because that one little phrase. Yeah. It's like six words, right? Yeah. Like can mean so much, but so different to two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes on to my, my, one of my previous points of if you're engaging with some information, you have to figure out and sort out what it means to you. It's a, like, especially when you're scrolling through social media, most of these uh, things or content are generalized. Yeah. They can reach the largest amount of people, which is awesome that experts and doctors and all these people are putting out free information. But then you have to take that information and sort it out with your own life and then apply it and constantly apply it. Not apply it for one day, but like constantly for 63 days, try it and then go back to the drawing board. And that's how you start to figure it out because we're constantly trying to figure it out. It's brilliant, man. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I got to show you like a little book over here that I got from Dr. Caroline Leaf. I went to her conference. She's a just a really brilliant woman. But I went to her conference like two weeks ago in Dallas, and she has like this little book, uh, Hundred and One Ways to Be Less Stressed. It's like a tiny book. Each is like a very small snippet of like a one way. Here's a brief explanation. We're gonna do it with your book with your rules. <laughs> okay. It's gonna be eighteen rules from Sam Pack. <laughs> You might have to change some of the language in here. <clears throat> nope. No? I'm well, yeah. fine with it. I wrote it this way. Yeah, we might have to. Because might. I knew well, how means- I knew how I needed to hear it. Exactly. <clears throat> okay. And on. some of them are kind of humorous and yeah. I have to write them in the vein of being yeah. kind of funny. Alright, on to the next. That was number nine. Mm-hmm. Number ten. The dumbest person you know still knows something you do not. Yep. That one's pretty self-explanatory. That is it. And that's it. Like, like every single person you meet, no matter what, how you view them, knows something that you don't know. Yeah. 100%. But yeah, so that's it. That's all there is to it. Like, that's why you should treat everyone with the same value. Absolutely. That, yeah, that's the big part of it. Because you, you, you hear, heard probably as a kid or you see like memes about it now where it's like, a mom walking her daughter or son past like the garbage man and be like you gotta go to school otherwise you're gonna end up like that it's like what and then the memes nowadays are like that guy is making government pay is completely taken care of yeah. making over $50,000 a year maybe he likes his job yeah <laughs> like maybe that's what he wants to do yeah maybe that job works best for his family situation and it's safe yeah maybe his wife is working another job and he needs to be home at a certain time so she can do her job or maybe that like you don't fucking know what's going on yeah and to assume that that's a bad job that you failed at life because you're a garbage man is horrible yeah it's horrible and that guy probably has a lot of insight and maybe he really cares about the environment and that's why he's doing it who knows yeah but he absolutely 100% knows something that that mom with that child doesn't know. For sure. And he knows what everybody on that street throws away. Which is very valuable information. <laughs> very valuable. No, I, I think that's, I mean, that holds true. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a very self-explanatory statement. But, but yeah. In the, the place I've always thought about this is like when I'm driving by homeless people and my thought is, man, that, I mean, it's terrible. But at the same time, like, if in an alternate reality, society collapses and we've all got to survive like that, that guy's a fucking expert now. Sure is. But, yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and then everybody's clamoring to get his knowledge. Mm-hmm. Whereas you, people wouldn't talk to him on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, people can't even make eye contact with yeah. those folks. You know, they're still human beings who hold value. They just have had a rough break. Yeah. And a few things have caused them to be a bit dispossessed and our society kind of doesn't really care about that when it happens to you and and that's where they're at, you know? I uh yeah. Every time I see uh someone who's homeless it's like it's like soul crushing. I'm like fuck. 
damn. Like, ah, you know, it's like, but that's why, right? It's just, you, you try your best to treat everyone with respect and dignity and in high esteem and have unconditional positive regard for the person next to you. And with those set of values in your mind before you go into a conversation or a meeting or anywhere you're at, you're gonna be much better off you just, than, any, than anything else, at least in my estimation. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what do we got next? What was that number? That was 10. 10. <clears throat> number 14, death isn't bad, just avoid gradual dying. Yep. Thoughts. I mean, death is inevitable. Yeah. Every single person you know, you love, yourself, get a die. Yep. And that at some point is very hard to realize, right? Usually it takes some sort of event or death in your family for you to come to that realization that life is truly short and that everyone you love will die and you will die as well. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing that happened to me. But now I know. And it doesn't make death like less scary. No. But it does make it that so that I want to live my life so that when I do open, eventually when I do open my eyes for the last time, I'm like, okay, that was, that was a fucking good life. Good ride. That was awesome. Like, I'm good with that. Whoever takes my soul next is going to start off on a great foot. <laughs> Loads of knowledge and information and good times. But that's it. You know, that's it. And then like, you don't like your, like your phrase says, like you want to avoid gradual dying, like resentment and being bitter, angry all the time, hating your job, hating your intimate relationship, hating your friends, not doing anything that you enjoy. These are all choices, very, very challenging choices. And if one of those things resonate with you, you have to tackle that one issue at a time by itself, follow through on it, and then attack the next issue in your life but I mean yeah yeah Yeah. what do you you got I mean you kind of hit most of it it's just finding something you enjoy doing something that's challenging and committing to it don't let like you said I don't like my job so you just kind of linger around but I need it and then you just kind of hang on long enough and then you just, you're just bitter about the whole thing. Find, if that's not it, find a side hustle that you can commit to. Mm-hmm. You can still work that job because you need the money. Commit to the side hustle like this is where I'm going in the future and then just commit. But if you just linger around and you're not doing anything you're happy with and you're not happy with any of your relationships, then you're just gradually dying. And that's worse than just being dead. Right. Because then you you push everybody and everything kind of to arm's length. And then you just kind of get ate up with your own malice and all the bad negative emotions that you're dealing with. Yeah. And they got to go somewhere at some point. Yeah. And that can be very scary. Where are they going? Yeah. Well, I was going to, I thought about something when you were talking. Good to know you were listening. I was listening. But it's obviously sparked a thought. Now I can't think of it. Because you were saying something that I wanted to listen to. Think about it. This is where the ad pops in. We don't have any ads or sponsors. So if you'd like to sponsor this show, contact us now. <clears throat> but, oh man, what was it? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, it's like... Um, it's basically trying to decide what the cost of action is and the cost of inaction. Like, what would you rather be? Okay, yes, you hate your job. Okay. I understand that it's very scary and frightening to then look, go look for a new job. It's very frightening because you're going to get rejected 499 times before someone says yes. So that's scary. You're gonna have to go through an interview process. You have to update your resume. You have to put yourself out there. You have to do it constantly while also working your other job and taking care of your other responsibilities. So that's the cost of action. What's the cost of inaction? What if you're at the same job that you hate, that you already hate now in 10 years? Where's your level of resentment, your level of bitterness, 
how are you as a partner? Because you're coming home angry all the time. Anger is not a bad emotion, but it's other emotions that have built up into anger, sadness, all of these things. And now you're resentful to your partner because she think you think that she held you back from going after your job 10 years ago when you decided that inaction was better than the consequences of inaction were better than the consequence of action. And that's where it all boils down to. So you have to think about that because we tend to underestimate or excuse me, overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in three to five years. So if you are looking for a new job, that's not a, okay, I'm looking for a new job now. I'll have it by next week. Everything will be better. No, that's like a two to three year process of saying I'm committing to doing this while working my current job so I can still feed myself and all these things. But in two to three years, my plan is to have this new job that's better for me. So then I'm going to have to take some courses and some classes to fill some inadequacies on my resume. I'm going to have to improve my interview skills and be able to talk about my strengths and weaknesses. So I have to work on that. And I have to do three to four resumes every day for six months and then get declined 512 times. And then, okay, there's the one. And then boom, that's a two to three year process. But you're deciding that action has better consequences than inaction. Nice. So that, was like pretty, that. that was pretty good, right? Yeah. Once you found it, you just went out and I'll fuck it. Let's go, baby! Hell yeah. yeah. I like it. And every everybody, I don't, it doesn't matter what they say, like, they know what they want to do. If they think about it, <clears throat> internalize some things, they have an idea what they want to do. This, yeah. Whether you're willing to, like you said earlier, I like the word attack. Fucking attack it. You'll figure it out along the way. Exactly. We're just... We just keep hitting every time we have like a theme it that we just circle back. Yeah, love it. Ver- Trust but verify. Trust but okay. um, yeah, it's like it's basically as simple as this. It's like what you are afraid of is very fucking frightening. Yeah. But you are tougher than you think. Yeah. That's it. So we're, it's not downplaying how scary all these things are. And the the example that I use for getting a new job can be used in any area of your life. Right, we're not down. I'm not downplaying how scary that is, but it's not that you become less scared when you start going after attacking these things. You just become more brave, and there's a big difference. Yeah, being less scared and more brave. I'm scared of a lot of things, as you know. Yeah, but I'm voluntarily trying to expose myself in a safe environment to these things that I'm afraid of or trying to avoid to make myself more brave. Not that I'm just like this macho. I'm scared of a lot of shit. Yeah, you are. <laughs> like, like a lot of irrational things. Yeah, of course. But I'm trying to make myself more brave. And that's the yeah. course of, okay, what's the consequence again of inaction or action? Because we feel like consequence is always negative. It's not. There's tons of consequences to positive action. For sure. Positive emotion or moving forward or aiming towards something. Right? Really, when that happens, you might, um, if you're aiming towards something that's bigger and better in your life you might lose some people along the way yeah because they're feel like you're judging them for the ideal that you're trying to aim for because they haven't reached for that in their own life and so there's a lot of things that are going to happen along the way um when you do have these things that you're aiming at or going for as a consequence of those actions whether it is positive or negative so we have to think about that full scope when we're going to attack these things and it's always about doing one thing at a time and following through with that all of the way through until it is completely knocked out and then you move on to the next thing and it's also about understanding completely where you're at in your life you have to take an extraordinarily honest look about where you are in your life and reduce the level of your increase to that of where you are because if you're like 312 pounds overweight and your goal is to lose 60 pounds a month you can't do that yeah. because you have not taken an on. That's also very unhealthy and like really, really bad for you. But that's in a very extreme example. But if you take an extremely honest look at where you are in your life and then you have to be able to um, implement these things in your life where they're actually attainable. So you have to reduce them to such a small amount that might seem embarrassing because it's such a small amount like clean your fucking room. Yeah. Open up one drawer today and look inside and clean that one drawer. It might seem embarrassing, but it's really not because you're actually moving towards your goal and you're actually doing something that's going to put you in a place with more responsibility and ownership over your life. So that is my tangent. I loved everything about that. You hit a couple of things that I was thinking during it. And 
Like I, in my job, I deal with like extended time frames where there's a bunch of things that have to get done in this window. And if you look at it all, it is overwhelming. But what I can do today will march me towards this stuff that's coming down the line. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, you need to appreciate the full scope of it. And then you need to neck down. What can I do right now? What can I do tomorrow? And then start just knocking things off of that list. And eventually that time's coming, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. So if you just keep knocking things out along the way, you're going to be there. Absolutely. It's same way you devour a whale one bite at a time. I'm just here to drop. Good call. Here to just drop just nuggets of wisdom. But also back to that, what you said about people kind of have an idea of what they think they might like to do. Mm-hmm. Like that's hundred percent right. Because I think everyone knows at least at the very least what they're curious about. Yeah. And it's also really valuable to knock things off your list that you don't like. Cause then your choices get smaller of what you do like and what you want to aim at. So that's why you have to go out and do shit and be curious about stuff and explore things and make a list of things that you might like and where do those things intersect and how do they cross over? Okay, there's two things that cross over. That could be something that I do on the weekends for fun that I enjoy or this could potentially be a job. Not Your purpose doesn't always have to be your job. It's just something that brings meaning into your life that you can do regularly that brings you fulfillment outside of whatever other responsibilities that you have. So curiosity is a huge tool. You got to explore that. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk about. You talked about being concerned about losing people along the way. Mm. I don't I don't know if it's just my mentality or just the people that I've associated myself with. That has never been a concern of mine, like ancillary details, like being able to focus in on exactly what I'm doing, exactly what I'm trying to do, exactly where I'm trying to go. The people who really care about you will allow you to do that. Absolutely. They will allow you to grow and develop. You might spend less time with them. Sure. Some people are going to pull off the, get off on the off ramp. But I mean, that's part of life. Like we're not, if we just imagine if you just potted up with the people you met when you were in high school and that's the only people you rode with, even like I had great friends back in high school. We don't really talk as much. We've, we've grown, we've gone different directions. We've, some people have kids and wives and stuff like that. And we'll catch up every now and again, but like that's, they just exited. I kept going on my thing. So I, I would not be concerned about that. The people who are in your life and invested, they are going to allow you to grow. And if they don't, then it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No additions to that. Nice. All right. Finally, I got the last word on something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're fine. You're fine. I'm just messing with you. Uh, I think there's one more. One or two more. We got to circle back to one. Number 18 is don't apologize unless you mean it. Super self-explanatory. Yep. The only real apology is change behavior. I think, I think so many people just want to hear the words because there's been so many people who have just taken an apology from me at face value. And then I thought about it. I'm like, I'm not sorry. Mm-hmm. And it could have could have been a miscommunication. It could have been something that I did. It could have been something that they perceived that I did. Mm-hmm. They could have... I did something. They misunderstood what I was tr- intending to do or trying to do. And then they just wanted to hear the words. And it's like, no. Like, I made a decision that was good for me. I'm not sorry. So I'm not just going to say I'm sorry to make you feel better. And that has been like a a real growing point for me is like, stop just telling people what they want to hear. Because I mean, I, I feel like I have a good enough sense of people. Like I generally know what they want to hear and just turning that off. And then just like, I'm just going to tell it how it is, which is kind of how I was raised. I've always been able to walk in both worlds, but shutting that part off, it's like, all right, you're going to get exactly what I think unless you tell me beforehand, because some people just need like you to tell them how it is just to make them feel better. Right. Well, at some point, it just depends on the situation. And I'll tell them, I was like, do you want the truth or do you want me to make you feel better? Yeah. But nothing, I'm sorry, will never be one of those things that 
I will differentiate again. You're going to get the honest truth. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Sorry about you. Fair enough. That's fair. Like, yeah. Sometimes you need to, like, if someone's feeling a certain way over something that they perceive that you said, or that's how they took it, that's how they understood it, yeah, I think it's really important to validate that they feel that way. And you can see maybe where their point of view is coming from, but that's not where an apology is necessary. That's just where dialogue and conversation about the incident or words that you said happens. Yeah. Like, I understand what you mean. That makes sense to me. That's not how I intended it. Let's work on something different for the next time we get into this similar situation. Yeah. Apology is when you do something, you do harm to another person, hopefully when you didn't intend to, and you sincerely apologize by changing your behavior. Not just saying the words, but letting the words and the actions line up so that the apology has substance and meaning. And the next time that you do an apology to that person again, they actually believe you because you backed it up the first time you said it. Yeah. I want it to mean something because <laughs> you, when you start trying to parse through like, no, I don't really mean it. Then you start getting into the, I'm sorry you feel that way. Right. That's not an apology. That's not an apology. No. That's just me saying, I'm sorry and hoping you hear, I'm sorry. So we can end this, but I'm really saying you're the one who's messed up here. You heard it the wrong way or you misunderstood. Yeah. That's a different, that's a different that's type a different of thing. That's different not type of conversation. That's just two people sitting down and, and hashing out, you know, what's going on. Yeah. You know, open dialogue about that. Apology is I exactly what I just said. Right. But that's super important. Super important. Especially, especially if you're going to make a long-term relationship work, whether it's a long-term friendship or a long-term intimate relationship work. Yeah. If you can't sincerely apologize for the things that you do wrong, it's never going to work. Yeah. And then work on changing your behavior because you're getting immediate feedback from your person, friend or partner. This behavior makes me feel this way. I don't like when you do this. It makes me shut off. It makes me resentful. It makes me bitter. Hopefully you're getting feedback. Hopefully, right. Hopefully you're at the stage where the, that kind of communication is still there. And so your behavior then should re absolutely reflect that feedback in a sincere way with the apology and actually meaning it. So super important. Yep. Cool. This is our last one. This is the last one. Last one. And then we're probably not going to go into anything else because I like the way this episode is going. Yeah, I think it's going well. Uh, this is number seven, and I, I held this one off to the end because I, I know Aaron is curious, and I'm super curious to see what Aaron thinks this means. Stay out of your head. It ain't the best neighborhood these days. It... <sighs> like, our, our minds are can be a very dark place. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so we want to be able to have some control over that, over our thoughts, over having some awareness over that. But there's also... That's like about being introspective about your mind. But people who are too introspective or too self-aware tend to only be in their heads all the time, every day, constantly. And so it's, it's really about finding a balance about being introceptive and extroceptive, I think is the word. Yeah. Andrew Huberman used it like a few weeks ago. Sure. But I think that's the right word. Like in your inside and then whatever's external. You drew attention to it. You probably could have just... No, I, nobody would have known. That's okay. I want, I, want it to, I want it to be right. Um, but that... that that's what kind of it means, right? We want to be aware, right, of our thoughts, okay? Because then for having a negative thought pattern, we want to be able to stop that negative thought pattern from secreting and spiraling out into a bunch of negative thoughts where we're just in a hole, right? So we want to be aware and in our brain and introceptive enough that if we're like calling ourselves a piece of shit, you know, for five minutes, hopefully it's like less than that, but it might take that long. Whatever the case may be is that we're able to be aware enough, mindful enough to stop that phrase and then ask ourselves, this is how you get out of a negative thought pattern. You ask yourself, is it true? Am I a piece of shit? No, I may have done like something wrong. You know, I may have 
done this. I'm okay. You know, I'm not the worst, right? We don't have to, it doesn't have the phrase, the phrase we exchange it with doesn't have to be this outrageous, like I'm the greatest human being in the world. Yeah. No, no, our mind and our brain and our body have to uh, believe it. So the, the statement has to be credible, especially if maybe you've done something wrong or you've hurt someone and now we're in our head about being a piece of shit and fucking things up or whatever, the statement that you can replace it with to get in a positive thought pattern so you can think more clearly about the situation and how you want to go about it, ask yourself, is this true? Is this true? But then the statement has to be credible and believable and backed by previous successes or any of these things that, you know, that have uh, made us this person and think this way, experiences, whatever. And so... That's what I think. Like, so you want to be able to be able to do that and be introspective enough where you can be mindful and aware of your thoughts and how you're thinking and being able to build confidence. But also you want to be able to be present in the moment with people when they're talking to you. So if I'm having a conversation with you and all I'm thinking about in my head is, you know, I'm not paying attention. I'm thinking about what you might be thinking about, what I'm thinking about, what you're thinking about, what she's thinking about, what he might over there thinking about how I'm looking at you. And that's like, that's very, 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 very challenging to be present or engaged with a conversation when all that is happening in your mind. And some people deal with that. It's a psychological condition, obviously. Um, so we want to try our best to be present in our brain and self-aware and mindful when we need to be, but also very aware at times what our external environment is happening, how we engage with the person that we're with, how we are in real life, like in the world with our feet on the ground um, presently. That's, that's what comes to my mind. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. I am <laughs> definitely an over-analytical person. Yeah, yeah. I think about things until I've exhausted every possible direction that this situation could take. And so... Sometimes when it does turn like down a more negative road or I'm just wasting time, mm -hmm. you know, I know if I'm going to my notes section to look for some, some nuggets mm -hmm. and I read that, I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just back away from this for a minute yeah, and look at it later. Like we'll take 15, 20 minutes to think about something else, listen to something else, do something else. And then if it's, if it's a must solve problem which most of them are not. Right. Most of the time, clearing my head for that short little break will allow me to look past the problem and be like, okay, in five years, that thing's not going to make a difference one way or the other, so what am I wasting my time on? Mm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, okay, here's mm. what I was going with it. To turn kind of a, a sports baseball metaphor okay being in all of us if you played for any amount of time at all you went through a skid where you could not find first base with a map and a compass shoots dude and oh like, my gosh the first couple times and it's it's usually like right after you're going good for a while mm -hmm. so like you'll piece one up line out hit it hard yeah keep going and then it turns into swinging bunts that you're just praying you leg out yeah. so you can break this over th over three days streak. And the longer it goes, or like the the more you let it get to you, the tighter you start gripping the bat. Mm -hmm. The slower that bat starts moving through the zone. The more you're hitting stuff off your knuckles, and pitches that you would normally be hammering are now. Blow the doors yeah. off, yeah. or yeah, or you make weak contact, which is worse. And so, re-evaluating it and going back to okay, we're gonna relax. Yeah, I got out, but I hit the ball hard. Mm -hmm. That's progress. Right. One of these little duck farts is gonna fly, fall in one of these days, and it's gonna feel great. Or I'm gonna get hit by a pitch and just. I got. It. I touched first base. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm going to try to steal second immediately just so I can feel productive on offense. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, just sometimes changing the way you think about it and reevaluating what the goal is. Is the goal to just get a hit? Or the, the goal should always be to hit the ball hard. Mm -hmm. If I hit the ball hard and I get out, things happen. Quality at best. Yeah. And there's going to be times when you piece one up and somebody's on the end of it. And there's going to be times when you do hit that jam shot and, and the falls. pitcher's left-handed and he takes yeah. a while to get to the third baseline and you're safe. Mm-hmm. It usually, 
evens out. If you if you play the game the right way, specifically baseball, if you play the game the right way day in and day out, it all it all evens itself out. Yeah. And uh yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as long as you have the right mental approach toward it, those cycles of slumps tend to not last as long. Yeah. You're gonna go through a skid. But if you're trying so hard and squeezing the bat tighter just to dig your way out of it, not gonna it's going to keep on dragging out. And I loved catching when guys were in slumps. I, I could I, um, do anything. I, uh, I started my career, my Division One baseball career at South Dakota State, 0 for 16. Nice. And my head coach at the time came up to me during this 0 for 16 skid, and he goes, Aaron, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure why we recruited you. <laughs> we recruited you to hit you can't field we recruited you to hit I'm not sure I'm not sure what you're doing here it's like damn but uh so I mean I don't know if what his what his uh, game plan was there was trying to make me laugh or you know he's probably testing you but uh eventually I got out of it obviously yeah uh yeah I had my first I hit my got my first hit it was a double nice uh at uh, University of Northern Colorado, and I was just jazzed up, dude, fired up. And my roommate, who was also a freshman at the time, he was our pitcher, so he didn't get a lot of ABs, but he wanted to hit. He comes up, he hasn't gotten a lot of at bats. I'm at second base, just just cheesing. I'm pumped. Yeah, I just got my first college hit. I'm ready to go. And then I got kicked off at second. <laughs> Immediately picked off at second. Wham! And uh, I think maybe the game was over, or we were like. We were either winning or losing like 13-0, so this, there wasn't much ball game left. And I walked in the dugout, and Cole was like, that was my roommate, Cole Nemery. He was like, thanks, dude. I was like, dude, my bad, bro. I just got my first college hit. Like, you've been pitching like every every weekend. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's a funny story for everyone. That's hilarious. Yeah. Just took the bat right out of his head. I feel bad. But, you just, yeah, just got to trust the process, man. Figured it out that I was a good hitter. You know, I, it would have been nice to know all the stuff I know about mindset and mental performance now that I now that I know now. Then mm-hmm. uh, maybe my career would have turned out differently, but my life ended up exactly where it needed to end up, and so that's cool. That's really cool. But, yeah, for for you and I, and like anybody who gets done with the game and then goes into coaching, you become a better player when you're coaching. Mm-hmm. Because you've got to sift through and like try to solve everybody's little hitch or their problems, and then you start talking. To, you have a much, you have a great sense for how your body works because right. you've done it for so long. Uh-huh. And then you're trying to help somebody, especially younger kids or like high school, college age. They're they're still kind of figuring it out, and you've got to try to kind of talk them into it. And then you realize, dude, all of this is up here. Mm-hmm. This whole game is between your ears. And how ready you are to make adjustment, how how much you can actually feel what you're doing. Having feels wildly important. Yeah, there there was always like the having feel yeah. that we talked about. But there was also like uh, the big thing that I told Oh always before you keep going, I was I followed a therapist on online and she was talking about like some of the stuff we just talked about from the last rule about awareness and stuff, and she used you have to have some feel and then you just as a licensed therapist with like a PhD I love it. and I was like you're a baseball fan I know you are because that's the, we're the only sport that says that well, the, uh, the only one that I've ever heard you know we were, we're around a lot of athletes especially when we were in school like we were with all the athletes and no one would ever say that and we would like talk to each other when they would like leave and be like that guy doesn't have any it feel has no feel has no feel and then I saw that like it had to be like two days ago it wasn't that long ago and I was like I've heard all my worlds coming together. This is a magical experience. Yeah. I felt like we spread it through the campus a little bit. Well, it started catching on yeah. slightly with other sports, but I don't think they ever knew how to use it. Yeah. Everything that we did as a baseball team was basically traveled throughout the entire university. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, there wasn't that many kids, but <laughs> still 15,000 people. Yeah, we did. There was a lot of stuff that caught on. Yeah. I Anyways. felt like I was the steward of feel, though. Yeah. I don't think I heard, I mean, I hadn't heard that in high school. Because um, I remember I got our boy, Zach Holt. I still hit him up every now and again, and he's still 
talks about having a feel. Yeah, yeah. He's got to have. He, he's he got to have a feel now. I think he has a kid. I don't remember. Shout out, Bolt. Yeah. If you yeah, if you watch this, I hope you're well. You probably will, because um, you saw Sam on it. I'm sure you've listened to all the ones with Sam. Um, yeah, I hope you're doing well. Um, and uh, yeah, I forgot where I was going before. Yeah, I interrupted you because I wanted to say that thing. About oh the field. yeah, yeah, I got you. Got it. Yeah. The the big thing that I would tell my guys is was essentially like you're in the box alone like the coaching is over at that point mm-hmm. I can't help you hit yep. you have to feel if you can make an adjustment in the at bat you're one of the better wouldn't say one of the better college athletes but mentally you, have an you are ahead absolutely so if you can feel the little things that are going on in your swing when it's going wrong in practice and in game, you're going to be able to make that adjustment pitch to pitch rather than we talk in between innings and then you try to figure it out in the on-deck circle. Yeah, which is hard also. It's mostly going to happen like from in between series. Yeah. Which is challenging because series are going to be three or four games, right? Or a weekend of four or five games for a tournament. You know, and that's a long span to like... <clears throat> not be kind of aware of what you're feeling and what your body's doing and where your swing is at and then it turns into a slump and that's really really hard for especially young kids to kind of figure out because they base their their value as a human being on their performance in the field and then what are my parents telling them on their way home you know so it's a it's a a very 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 challenging dynamic um but yeah baseball is a really good sport at at showing kids that if you keep showing up day in and day out, day in and day out, every day you put in the effort, you have the right energy and the attitude that you keep showing up, that you keep showing up, something good will eventually happen. Yeah. You might not be a major leaguer because that's 0.02% of people will do that from a Division One level. Now, even those numbers just get increasingly smaller you yeah. know, at that point. But you could make your varsity high school baseball team and start at second base for two years. Yeah. That's really cool. That's awesome. You know? Or you could just love the game of baseball and then have a podcast about it and you talk about it for the next 30 years of your life with your buddies yeah. remotely via Zoom while you go to your job and do your kids but you have this like one hour every week with your friend. Like, who knows what could come up? What can happen from you just keep showing up and learning to love the game? Yeah. Because if you're not around baseball constantly, you're not really going to fall in love with it. Yeah. Because from an outsider's view, it's like, why would I ever play baseball? If I'm good at it, I'm going to get out a lot. If I'm good at it, I'm going to strike out. If I'm good at it, I'm going to make errors. If I'm good at it, I'm the game's not that exciting. I'm not in the field all the time. I don't get a hit every inning. Yeah. Right? I've... I work with people who don't, not necessarily from a sports background, and if they are, it's rarely baseball. Mm-hmm. So I try to think of ways, like when we have meetings and stuff, if if it comes up to try and articulate why I love the sport. And for me, anyway, it was the struggle of it. Uh-huh. It is going to go wrong way more than it goes right. Yeah. But those moments of everything coming together and finally lining up to where now I'm in this position with game winning runs on base I'm 0 for 4 with 4 punchies but punchies are strikeouts by the way (laughs) and I finally have an idea of how they're pitching me and then because I'm paying attention to my previous at-bats and finally get the double to right center and we win there's no better feeling in the entire world everybody forgets those 4 strikeouts when you like that immediately like that yeah, it's a beautiful, magical sport. Yeah, it's the, the parallels that I've drawn to, like, adult life work mm-hmm. in baseball are, are wild now. It's one of the most important lessons ever for learning how to just keep picking yourself back up. Yeah. That's it. As long as keep showing up. Keep showing up. That's a good way to end it, I think. I think so. You got anything to add? Questions, comments, concerns, funny stories, anecdotes? How are you? How am I? <clears throat> really good right now um really good I went on a nice little trip with my girlfriend uh that's the first time I've said that I had a girlfriend on a podcast so it's good big step yeah right uh but yeah I started off 2020 well yeah we did it for Christmas we went to Birmingham we went to Pensacola 
visit some of her friends, um, met her dad, which was really cool. So that was really nice, very relaxing. Um, yeah, and then you're here, which is awesome. I love seeing you, and I love you. Still have a general sense of, of overwhelm, but that's not, I, mean, I don't think that's gonna go away. Like you said, when I asked you this question, you said a productive stress. Yeah. So I, I definitely feel that, because stress is, is good sometimes, right? It can be good, just like anxiety has positives to it as well, but you wanna manage them, keep it at a manageable level. So yeah, productive stress. Um, really setting things in motion for my first fundraiser, which happens in March, which I'm kind of nervous about, but I think everything's in the right. Tickets go on sale soon. They'll be on sale by the time this episode comes out. So if you haven't bought those, you should. Um, uh, yeah. Nice. So, that's it. Productive stress is good. Productive stress. I like that. Unless like you know you need, you should be doing something. Yeah. You're on the right, you're heading for the right trajectory. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it amps you up a little bit, you know? Yeah. That's fire in the ass. Yeah. Thanks for asking. No problem, guy. That's it, though. Um, that's it. That's all we got. Thank you for listening. I'm glad to be back doing these episodes every single Tuesday. Again, the first episode that I dropped of 2022 was um, last week, episode 77 with Wheeler Yuta. This one today with Sam Pack, third installment with Sam. Second, actually, episode with Utes. So a couple return guests, a couple big-time names to start off the year. And then we'll be uh, I'll be dropping a new episode every single Tuesday, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, jacksontalkseverybody.com, every Tuesday until December again of 2022 when I'll take a four-week break. But who knows where the podcast will be at that point. Um, hopefully we garner some more followers, more listeners, bigger community. Thank you guys for watching. Appreciate the support. Take good care of yourselves and uh, Happy New Year.